I have a really hard time selling, I don't like selling. When I hear that, I often think, okay, this is an issue of alignment. Because when you are really aligned, when you're really truly, when your brand is really aligned, really aligned with who you are and what you believe in and what your business believes in, it doesn't have to be a personal brand, it becomes much easier to make that connection with the customer because you're actually being true to who you are and there isn't a dissonance. Here we go. It's the Jelly Marketing Podcast. Hi, and thank you for joining us for episode number 10 of the Jelly Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Rod Jans. On the Jelly Marketing Podcast, we ask global industry leaders from world-class brands to share their best practices, stories, innovations, and more to help you move your agency, business, or organization ahead. In this episode, we discuss why great writing is the key to success in the marketing world, how being aligned with who you are really helps with your marketing sales. And finally, we talk about what it means to hashtag untrend. Our guest, Vicki McLeod, is a consultant, personal and business coach, trainer and writer. In the past two years, she has trained and mentored more than 130 businesses province-wide in marketing, branding, and how to consciously use digital and social media strategies. Her company, Main Street Communications Limited, is a strategic planning and communications firm based in Greater Vancouver, Canada. In 2013, Main Street was shortlisted by Small Business BC as one of the top five online marketers in the province. And founder Vicki McLeod was an RBC Woman of Influence nominee as a Canadian Woman Entrepreneur of the Year for 2014 and 2015. She was honored as 2014 Business Leader of the Year in Main Street's home community of Maple Ridge, Canada. Stay tuned to the end of the episode where we find out what Vicky likes to spread on her toast. Episode number 10 with Vicky McLeod. Here we go. Hi, Vicky. Thanks for joining me on the Jelly Marketing Podcast. Hi, Rod. It's my absolute pleasure to be here. Vicky is a coach and consultant, and she's been in the communications and marketing industry for quite a while. She calls herself a communications and marketing specialist. You've been doing that for over 20 years. That's right. Yeah, I started my business in the early 90s, actually. But even, you know, before I started my own business, I was kind of, you know, on the fringes of that industry anyway. Done a lot with media and with uh, government, actually. I used to say that if I could, if I could market a politician, I could probably market anything. (laughs) (laughs) And where are you, where are you at this morning? Where are we, where are we reaching you at? Beautiful Maple Ridge, BC, Canada. And uh, we live right along the Fraser River, which is an absolutely beautiful part of this part of the world, the southwestern British Columbia. Have you always been interested in marketing? Yeah, I th- well, I think for me, it really started as many, many things do, you know, I often find that the changes or the decisions I make in my life really have to do, I have a sort of feeling of being called to something. I can't exactly say I was called to marketing per se, but Writing has always been a foundational part of my life and a foundational skill in almost all the work that I do. And I was at the time when I decided to start the business, I was in a management uh, role. It was a nonprofit organization and I loved the organization and I loved their work, but I really didn't love having a job, like just the sort of restrictions of, of, um, you know, what we call a typical nine to five job, even though I really loved the work. And I just started this sort of process of examination and, and, um, Actually, at the time, I started meditating really regularly and writing every single morning as a discipline. I just really wanted 
focus and discipline in my life. And kind of what resulted was this desire for this business. And when I looked at the skill sets that I had and what I'd been doing, everything was sort of leading me to this place of going into communications work. Um, and then the marketing kind of came as a result of doing that work, really came about uh, as working, first of all, comprehensively in strategic communications work, largely for organizations and governments and nonprofits, but then getting into working with businesses and then businesses really having the need beyond communicating about their brands, first of all, identifying their brands and then communicating about them, but really being able to market their products and services. So it was, you know, in a sense, as the clients showed up, what they needed, I was then able to respond to. But always basing it in this really foundational people, you know, young people ask me a lot, you know, what's the best thing I could do to get started? And I always say, make sure that you're a great writer, that you can tell great stories, you know, Mm. that's a big part of, um, I think, being successful in this work, especially now in the digital world, right? It's become even more important to be ability to tell a great story. What's sort of been your biggest life lesson starting your own business and and, uh, what what had to change in you? I think, yeah, I think there's, that's such a great question, right? I think there's a couple of things, Rod, that I would say, you know, one is, if I was to look at it from the point of view of a lesson that I would want to pass on to other people in business, and especially to other women in business, you know, it would be just to do it. You know, I think there's lots of places that I held back, either out of fear, out of uncertainty or insecurity. And I just, I know how fast life goes by now. You know, like, and I'm, I'm working with a lot of women right now, and, you know, many of them are in their, like, late 30s and their early 40s, and I just think, you know, girl, the next 20 years is going to fly by so fast, like, don't put this off. Whatever the dream is that you have for your business or your work, don't put it off. You know, and I'm a pretty action-oriented person, like, I, you know, I move when I make a decision to move, um, and at the same time, that would be one big one, um, and I think the other one is really just that For a long time, I thought I had to be something that I wasn't in order to succeed in business. And I'm going to use this with all due respect to chambers of commerce everywhere. I've been a chamber of commerce member for most of the time I've been in business and and I like the work that they do. But I kind of had this image of what like a chamber of commerce business person should be like. Um, You know, it has something to do with maybe a more corporate uh, kind of attitude or way of being even a little bit probably more driven by bottom line, et cetera, et cetera. So I thought I had to be this certain thing and it never was comfortable for me. And I decided pretty early in my business, gratefully, that I was just going to show up and be who I was, whether I was at the Chamber of Commerce or any other kind of, you know, business setting. And at the time, that wasn't that common. I was also home-based really early in the game at a time when, a, you know, many people didn't take home-based businesses very seriously. Uh, I was often heard people say, well, why don't you guys get an office? You know, you'd be a bit more credible. And I would think we can do exactly the same work here that we would do in an office, you know, I, and I love the lifestyle. So, you know, kind of what had to change in me was I had to really own and accept who I am and how I do it and that that would be the key to my success. That's you know, and now, that. now that's all over the place. You know, now it's all about like be authentic, be yourself, be who you are. But at the time that I started my business, you know, and this was 25 years ago or so, at that time, you know, there really was this sort of, you know, a business person was a certain kind of person. Let's shift gears a little bit. I, I What I had in mind for this interview was to do a two-part interview, was to talk about your communications and marketing business and your, your journey regarding that, but then also to talk about your book. Maybe one, one thing we can do before we launch into that is if you could just share a tip with us as far as, you just mentioned authenticity, maybe that's the tip, I don't know, but 
what's something that is really working for you when it comes to your communications and marketing business? You know, I think that one thing that I would say really works, and this would be, you know, once you've got your business established and you have a roster of clients, is to really know that the client wants what you have to offer them. That's why they hired you. You know, they're after what you have. So I, you know, and I remember saying this with some of the colleagues that we've brought on board into the business over the years is that, you know, the challenge for us is when people hire us, they want the main street communications thing that we have. So they want the Vickiness from Vicky. You know, they want the Ian-ness from my husband, Ian. They want the Lori-ness from our colleague, Lori, who works with us regularly. So that what we have to offer is what they want, or they would have hired someone else. Yeah. <laughs> right. And I very often watch people in business and think, well, maybe I shouldn't be doing this. Maybe there should be someone else. Maybe there's someone who's doing it better. Am I doing this right? A lot of, uh, you know, uh, often a lot of sort of self doubt about the product and service you're delivering. They hired you because they want you. And the truer you are to who you are, the more you will align with the right clients. And, and I want to, I mean, this is the Jelly podcast. So I want to, you know, pitch a little to Jelly here. You know, one thing I love about their brand is that it's very, you know, it's fun. It's vibrant. It's called Jelly for crying out loud, right? They give you Jelly yeah. <laughs> jars of, <laughs> it's very on brand. They're very, and they're, they're fun, uh, people. And that's, so people are hiring Jelly because they want that jelliness. Yeah. You know, yeah. if they wanted something else, they would be hiring, you know, button down corporate co. And, and so that's so that to really trust that when people are hiring you, they're hiring you because they want the units. And the more units that you bring, the more successful you'll be. And you'll attract those clients that are aligned with you and and what you truly have to offer. And that will make your sales really easy because all you're doing is just connecting, resonant, resonating and connecting with the people that already want to work with you. Um, and, and all those other clients, they're for someone else. Yeah. Say a little bit more about that because I think there's a fear out there that, I, I think people try and yeah, they're like shapeshifters. And I know I get into this mode sometimes right. too, is just try so hard to relate to the customer and try to, you know, fit, fit the mold of what they're, what they're looking for. Can you, can you just say any more about that? Cause yeah. when you mentioned, when you mentioned Darian, I'm like, yeah, Darian at jelly marketing, he really is like a jar of jelly beans. <laughs> exactly. And, you know? and, his team, and his team is too. And it's consistent. You know, you have a consistent experience with those guys, right? Yeah. Um, and, and there are other companies too, but this is their podcast. So we'll talk about them. Um, yes. But I love the word that you're using there, Rod, shape-shifting. And so what I would ask you is, what does it feel like when you're being a shapeshifter? Yeah, no, it doesn't feel good at all. That's right. Right. Yeah. right. And so we know that, you know, and so when, and I see this a lot, especially with, you know, I've done, a, been really privileged to do a work with a lot of small businesses uh, over the last three or four years. And I see this a lot, especially in, the, you know, solopreneurs or people who are, you know, in very, very small businesses. They categorize, categorize that as, you know, small businesses five to 50 and micro businesses zero to five. So I've worked with both micro businesses and small businesses a lot in the last few years, you know, and I really see this where, you know, almost people trying to bend themselves into some kind of a pretzel to m meet what they think is the market need. And it doesn't feel good. And it feels out of alignment. And, and then it feels difficult. And, you know, and again, especially with women, that tends to be, you know, part of the client. That's my train going by, by the way. <laughs> Fraser River is also right along the CN rail line. So, um, yes, we have a lot of trains that go by. Anyway, uh, but for women especially, I, always say this, I, I, I hate selling myself. I have a really hard time selling. I don't like selling when I hear that, I often think, okay, this is an issue of alignment. Mm -hmm. 
Because when you are really aligned, when you're really truly, when your brand is really aligned, really aligned with who you are and what you believe in and what your business believes in, it doesn't have to be a personal brand. It becomes much easier to make that connection with the customer because you're actually being true to who you are and there isn't a dissonance. So you're comfortable talking about your products and services because you're just talking about what's actually real. Mm-hmm. It's when I think when we try to get into this shape-shifting mode, and we all do it, believe me, you know, we'll, we'll get a call. And, and I almost know when I either get the call or the email or these days a text or a Facebook message from a potential client. If I start to get that feeling like, oh, how am I going to have to be with them? I, it's almost like I know this is not going to go well, <laughs> you know, because already I'm starting to get that feeling like there's not an alignment. You can't always tell right away, of course, but you know, yeah. And so much about sales too is having the right posture. And just as you're saying that, I can just feel kind of the relief in taking that approach. Like you're you're looking for fit. You're looking to, you're looking for alignment. You're not trying to manipulate or try and find their, their hot buttons or whatever. Well, I guess you are trying to find your hot buttons. You see if if the hot buttons are are congruent with your hot buttons. Exactly. Exactly. You're trying to find that match. And you know, that's what I often say to people is, you know, how about if we just change the language that instead of trying to convince or sell, you're simply inviting, Mm -hmm. simply inviting that person to work with you. Yeah. And the invitation and an invitation can be accepted or declined. Yeah, awesome. Right? It's a different, it's just, it just kind of shifts. And I love that word. When you say that relief to me, when I'm working with people, I often say that relief is a big sign. Mm-hmm. You feel that sense of relief, you know, you're kind of on to something. Yeah. It's like, okay, so this is the feeling that I want. Like, you know, we're always going to want to put our best foot forward and we're always going to want to find the best way to position ourselves and our, our products and services, of course, and, and those for our clients when we're, when we're working on behalf of others. Um, and at the same time, if we are always looking for, you know, what really is, who's really our customer or our client or our, our ally. Um, and then it's easy to let go of the other ones with love and just think, yeah, this is not a fit for me, but you're a fit for someone. <laughs> and the magic will happen with some other company, you know. I think this is really important for ongoing sort of agency types of sales. Yeah, the language we often use is, you know, people do business with people that they know, like, and trust. Right, right. Right. And that's kind of one of the adages that we use as well. And, you know, we've used that also in traditional marketing for years. But in digital marketing, we talk about, you know, the ability to build trust in a digital environment. Because at the end of the day, we can call, you know, business to business marketing or business to consumer like B2B or B2C. But, you know, um, Kat Stearns, who's a woman that does a lot of social media work in the Fraser Valley, she always says, you know, it's P2P, it's people to people. At the end of the day, yeah. every transaction, even if you're if you're a business doing business with other businesses, at the end of the day, you're in a long game with a person in that business that you're supplying that service to, mm-hmm. and that's the relationship that you need to build. And you know, I mean, I feel in many ways in my business, we've been both, I think, both fortunate and strategic. <laughs> 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 we've had some really good breaks, and and part of it was just starting to do what we did when we started. Because it wasn't something that was being offered in the marketplace. And I've always taken a philosophy of I've tried to grow with the business. So as my clients' needs changed, I tried to change as well, especially with those clients where we had lots of alignment. So we've had clients that we've worked with for the, you know, basically the entire 20 years that we've been in business, 22 years. Because as they're, we've adapted with them and grown with them and evolved with them. Maybe that's another tip. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you're successful at this game, your clients are going to outgrow you, right? Right. 
you know, we often said like part of our job when we go in to build communications capacity, especially in an organization, is actually to put ourselves out of work. It's actually to grow the internal capacity to the point where the organization can sustain its own communications program. But then we want to go on to the next thing with them. So then very often we're doing organizational development work or change management work or leadership development and coaching, which was partly how I evolved my portfolio of work was because I saw, okay, now they're getting really good at doing communications. So now what do they need? Let's yeah. let's talk about your book for a sec. It's called yeah. Untrending, uh-huh. a field guide to social media that matters. The, is yeah. the um, in the actual book? Is there a hashtag in front of that? Untrending. There is there is a hashtag Untrending. <laughs> yes, and and I do like it when people use it. I, I actually was giving a social media workshop recently, and I was talking to them about how to use hashtags, and I used the book as an example. And so Untrending was trending, yeah. on which I thought was really ironic. <laughs> So, so te- yeah, no kidding. Yeah. <laughs> so tell us a few things about social media that, that matters. What is, what is social media that matters? So for me, I mean, I, I have to say, I really wrote the book out of it's something I was righteously angry about. I spent a fair amount of time on social media. And, and part of my excuse for that is that it's part of my work. And, and that's true. And also, you know, social media is pretty alluring, right? It's pretty glittery. It's a pretty, uh, it's a very, definitely a very uh, seductive and attractive place to be for lots of reasons. But I was finding myself coming off of my feeds, you know, looking at my Facebook or my Twitter feed or Instagram and feeling frustrated and angry at what I was seeing there a lot of the time. And what I loved and absolutely opened myself to when I sort of discovered social media, and I was slightly late into the game. I mean, I was early by comparison to a lot of people, but slightly late for people in my field. But I thought, wow, like this is going to connect the entire world. Like this is something that we as humans have been dreaming of. You know, and, and I believe that we are all connected anyway. I believe that we are one. We come from one source. That's my belief. All humans. And so to me, this beautiful thing, the internet, and then this even more amazing thing, Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg, this genius creates this thing that makes manifest or tangible our actual connection. So now we can see it and feel it. So if we didn't believe we were all connected, we can now actually see that we are, in fact, because we have a technical way of actually, a tactile way of actually connecting. So, so much promise. And I'm sure this is much like the early days of TV, right? Like, so much promise. What could this do for the world? <laughs> but to see it, you know, being uh, just the descent of much of the content on social platforms to real trivia, like just trivializing trivia even, and I, and I have nothing against having fun. I like to have a lot of fun. In fact, you know, people say that that's part of what they love about our brand at Main Street is that, you know, we have this sort of a bit of a sense of whimsy and play in what we do. But I, uh, I was really frustrated by it. And I just knew that I was wanting to write. I've always wanted to do a book. I had put it off very consciously. I said, okay, when I get into my sixties, that's when I'll write. I'm not quite in my sixties yet, but I, uh, I'll do the books. And I've always been writing for my work anyway, and I do poetry and a bunch of other, you know, do journaling. I teach writing work. So there's a lot of writing in my life anyway. But the book, this just was really bugging me. And um, I just decided that it was time. And I just decided to make it a tiny book. I didn't want to – there's another book that's going to follow this one that I've, that I've begun already. But it was, it's really just a call to people to think about the fact that the Internet never forgets. That what we're posting, tweeting, liking, commenting on – it's kind of cast in a virtual stone. And as I referred to earlier, I'm at a stage in life where I've started to lose, especially a lot of my peers. I started to lose family members, <clears throat> you know, many years ago, but I go on now, their Facebook pages are still there. They're like tribute pages to them. 
And I'm very conscious of what their last thoughts were or what their last um, comments were, what they were thinking about, you know. And that got me into thinking of the notion of legacy, which, again, I'm at that stage of life where I'm kind of going into the third chapter or the third, the third act, rather. I don't want to call it the final chapter, but, you know, I'm going into a time of life where that legacy is starting to matter. And I just thought, how are we doing our social media? And can we do it in a way that's meaningful? And, um, you know, interestingly, the little book seems to have touched a bit of a nerve. You know, I've, I'm having people, uh, my colleagues especially say, wow, this was like a punch in the guts to read this because it really is calling people to be as real as possible and to be using social media for good, for purpose, to be conscious, you know, again, my theme, I guess. Um, and also for people in business, you only have, especially if you're managing your own feeds, you only have so much time of this, this precious commodity of time. So can you use your time online to make it really meaningful to really connect with those people that you're aligned with? So there's a way, so there's a way that this is also, you know, it's a personal call in a sense or a way of being. It's about more than social media, I suppose. It's about living well and purposefully, but it's also about, you know, we are going to be using these tools. So let's just use them in a way that makes sense for ourselves personally and for our businesses. Long answer, I know. <laughs> Can you think of a company uh, or a marketing campaign that is an example of social media that matters? What what comes to mind when you think of, of marketing? Thank you. One company that I love, and it's interesting that <clears throat> I'm in absolutely no way paid or endorsed by them at all. In fact, I, <clears throat> you know, I'm not even sure they're aware that the book exists, but I have a tell a little story about Tom's shoes in my in the book because. I put a picture of my feet in a pair of Tom's as part of the cover, but also it was something I was asked in a workshop what I was currently obsessing about, and I was obsessing about this footwear. So Tom's shoes, if you don't know them, are very comfortable, casual shoes. They're well-constructed, and for every pair you buy, they send a pair to a child in need. So it's one for one. It's goods for good. So first of all, it's a great company to support and endorse, but they are someone, <clears throat> you know, they're really on a positive mission so that what they're doing with their product within their brand and this is important from the business side, what's in their brand is that they are, this is what they're all about is goods for good. And so they're very consistent in what they post and how they market that everything is about these particular themes. And if you visit their stores, I went to Tom's in Portland, you have the same consistent experience in their stores. So that's an example of where they're really connecting what the brand is really about with some higher purpose and then communicating about that purpose on a regular basis through their feeds an example from the book, it's actually again from the Fraser Valley where, where I live, of a, of a blueberry farmer who was having a terrible time with his crops. This is last year when they had, we had this outstanding crop of blueberries and he, or two years ago, I guess now, and he was, was really worried about getting his picking done. He just couldn't get, couldn't hire any pickers, couldn't get any pickers. And the local social media community, his grandson posted into the local social media community. And one day, all these people start arriving at his farms with their cars and with their buckets and their baskets to pick his berries. He had no idea what was going on. This guy's like, you know, 80 years old or something. And he's like, where did all these people come from? And they just kind of descended on his crops and did all of his picking for him because his grandson had tweeted out, hey, you know, my grandfather's farm needs pickers and we can't hire any and could anybody come and help us out? So it got on to, you know, Instagram and Facebook and all these people converged on his farm. And to me, that's just like such an example of the internet having real legs using this virtual environment to do a, re a good deed in a very real way. And then, of course, it was covered by the local paper and then that became digital, a digitalized story as well that got shared really widely. And so, 
you know, that to me is a big example of social media for good. You know, I, and I think we have this choice. I mean, as I said earlier, you know, I always favor hope. I think we always have this choice between fear and hope. And we have a choice in what we post. Are we contributing to more fear in the world or are we contributing to more hope in the world? And you can choose that as a brand. You can choose that as an individual. We have the choice between do we want to be contemptuous or not? You know, and I think political contempt, I mean, we're seeing a lot of that right now, especially with the elections going on in the U.S., but it happens here during our election time, too. Um, is that the discourse that we want? Because we have the choice. And we, and by we, you know, I say we as individuals, but I also think we as communications and marketing leaders, we are setting the standards. We're the ones that are telling our clients how to post, what to post, when to post. We can make the choice and say, this is the standard that we're going to set in, as an industry. Fear is really a, it's become a huge political tactic, hasn't it? It's, it's unfortunate. And I, I know people buy into it as well. You, you talk about individuals. You, I see individuals making, you know, writing posts about, well, you better vote this way or such and such is going to happen. You yeah. know? And it's just, it's all just based on fear. I love what you're saying about thinking about, and, and maybe that's, that, that's a big part of it, isn't it? Social media that matters is, is trying to instill hope in people and, and be hopeful. You know, and we say that, you know, you are what you do all day long. You know, that's the sum of your life. The sum of your life. is, And so if we're going to be spending our time, our precious time on social media. That is who we are. And so then let's do it in a way that's meaningful. I mean, people, and I, and I say this, you know, and I know part, as you say, I have this sort of philosophical bent. That's absolutely true. And at the same time, I work with a lot of people and I would say the universal common common theme throughout everyone that I work is everyone is looking for meaning, whether it's meaning in their work, meaning as a leader, meaning in their uh, campaigns and programs that they're running for their products and services. That's the big, that's the big quest. And so if we're going to be spending, you know, and I don't even have, I don't have current um, stats on how much time we're spending online. And I know it varies from person to person, but we are all spending an enormous amount of time online. That's how we're spending our lives how we spend our days. And so then I say that spend them with some meaning doesn't mean we can't have fun and share jokes. And you know, I mean, I as much as the next person, I love to be entertained. I'm a human being, you know, give me a circus full of monkeys. and I'll watch them all day long. Um, just like anyone, but at the same time, you know, let's have also with that, you know, and I think fun has meaning too. let's also have with that, let's take this opportunity. And again, I'm finding, you know, it's a tiny book. I haven't done a huge marketing uh, effort with it. And I'm finding that it's resonating with people because I think people are aware that there's a certain uh, flatness or a certain something that's missing in their virtual time. And so this is maybe a way for me to contribute somehow to people having a more rich experience of themselves online and offline. It's one of those questions I think we have to ask. Like we talked about it on the top of the, of this, off the top of this interview, is there are certain things we don't like to, to delve into necessarily. But when we have uh, teenagers and even adults spending maybe eight more, eight plus hours on screens, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> we, yeah. we really, we better take a look at that and, and take a look at what the effects are and, and, um, and what we're, what we're spreading and putting out into the world if we're spending that much time on, on these platforms. Yeah. And I, and I mean, I, com I completely agree. I just think it's, I, I want to, I guess I don't want to be proselytizing to people or, um, being condescending about it. Like, I think it's just questions that we need to ask. Yeah. We need to have the conversation. I can't say if there's more value to the analog world 
than to the digital world. I just happen to have had the experience of living both. And people like me, people in my age group, you know, we are getting older. We are dying off. People who knew a world, like we're the last generation of people who knew a world before Facebook. And so there's messages from that world. There's wisdom from that world. And so I just think we need to capture that and have it as part of the mix as we move forward into the brave, this brave new world that's going to keep changing. What, what do we value? What is important? Um, I think there's a big question, you know, as we look at things like artificial intelligence, uh, virtual reality around uh, the value of being human. I know uh, you heard me speak with my colleague, Christina Crook at CIM, the Canadian Internet Marketing Conference last year. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, the big question that she asked, like, are we just brains on sticks or is there more to the human experience and the human design? And I know for myself, I feel a big attachment to being human. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't want to necessarily have my humanity extended by uh, a technical or virtual means. Now, that that's also my generation. But I, I love the world of touch and my, all my senses. And so, and I think there's a value and I want that conversation to be part of the conversation. It doesn't have to mean that it's the, that, you know, we're landing on the right or wrong of it. But I want to be in the conversation about it. Yeah. yeah. A, a statement that really jumped out to me. I, we got to wrap up here but a statement that really jumped out to me this last week was that your brain is not a hard drive (laughs) you you just can't there's just so much information and you just can't retain it and save it and all that and and you know you gotta there's so much more to being human than just uh, than all of this information i think we need to be asking that question what does it mean to be human in a digital world i think that is the big question and i think it's also you know this issue of noise, there's, as you say, like, there's just so much information. If we look at it from the business lens, using digital media for marketing, promotion, communication, causes, whatever, you have to be able to cut through that noise somehow. And one of the ways you can cut through noise is by creating meaning, because people respond to meaning. You know, so there's a practical side to this as well as sort of the philosophical side. The practical side is if you really genuinely are wanting to connect with your market and your audience, regardless of whether you're selling them something or whether you're trying to enlist them in a cause or as an ally or you're wanting to change the world or whatever, you need to make that connection and we connect where things matter to us. So let's wrap up here. We have some questions that we ask everyone that we interview. And the first one is just, it's it's wonderfully uh not deep. The, the question that we ask everybody is, because we're the Jelly Marketing Podcast, what do you like to spread on your toast? Okay, I am a homemade jam girl all the way. Nice. I make my jam every year. Um, the, the, it varies with the berries. <laughs> and yes, absolutely homemade jam um, when I'm at home. But when I'm out, I like marmalade. Because <laughs> their jam's not homemade when you're out. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're so right. You're, you're making me, you're giving me a craving. It's been a long time <laughs> since I've had homemade strawberry jam, which is just amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah strawberries are just about done now, but the I'll be doing blueberry and blackberry this, this ne- in the next couple of weeks. So maybe I'll shoot you over a jar, Rod. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nothing like it. Yeah. What do you do to handle stress? You know, I try to create balance throughout the day. So, and I have to say, I, I think balance is dynamic. So sometimes you can be balanced, you know, if you're not, it it depends on where you're at in your day balance looks differently depending on what's going on in in your life at the current time. I try to uh, have a regular meditation practice. um, And I do find for me, again, cooking is a great activity. um, And my big mission right now is to just walk more. 
I um, I do find that if I get up and get outside, I actually feel better and I sleep better. And I'm, I'm saying that from an aspirational viewpoint. I've been quite lazy the last little while. So, but I think that that's a big one, you know, being as mindful as possible and then doing things you love. Are you an iPhone or Android person? iPhone all the way. <laughs> What's your favorite app on your iPhone? Oh, my favorite app. Oh, that's a good question. Let me just grab it. I love all the apps that we get to make things. So Fonto is one I really love. Oh, there's another one. Oh, Lark for Messenger is my current favorite because you can send these really sweet, precious messages to people through the uh, Messenger app, through a, a Facebook Messenger app. So I kind of like send these like gorilla, gorilla sneak messages to people, but they're like really super sweet. So they don't expect it. And then they suddenly open it up and there's some kind of really, really sweet one. That's a, that's one that I really like. Not, yeah, I'm just, I'm just, I'm, I'm looking at my, my phone. There's one that I'm trying to think of that word swag is one I really like. It's for making little memes and little quotes. And again, I like things. I like apps where I can actually be making something on them. <laughs> cool. Do, do you have a favorite life or business hack to share? Some shortcut loophole that makes so, your life easier? That makes my, uh, let's see, business hacker. Delegation. <laughs> no, good, yeah. Which isn't really a hack, you know, but I, it's when I'm, it's been a lifetime learning lesson to mm -hmm. delegate. Yeah, for sure. And trust, delegate and trust, big ones. Yeah. And, and as a small business owner, it's really hard, isn't it? You, you kind of find, you have that tendency to want to do everything yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think for me, that's been a big learning and it's an ongoing learning. The more that I have been able to delegate to either my business partners, my, I, we have consultants that we work with. And then I have an amazing assistant, uh, Kimmy. She's actually, uh, new to us this year, but really just she's taking on more and more. And I just find that that moment when I think, Oh, Kimmy could do this. <laughs> that relief sets in that I talked about with you. Yeah. That and that's a good signal. It's like, aha, yes, I can let go of this. Yeah, 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 that's a big one. Yeah. I can tell you're a big hearted person. So this might be hard for you. But just for the purposes of our interview, is there one cause that's really near and dear to you? The one that we tend to support the most uh, is the hospice. And I just, I really admire so much what the end of life care that people are given in hospice settings in particular, our hospice here, of course, in Maple Ridge is the one that I know the best, but I think any hospice anywhere is just well worth supporting. The nurses and doctors in those settings are just outstandingly amazing. And, and they're, they're doing the work that they're called to do. If you meet someone who works in hospice, they're doing it because it was absolutely their calling. Yeah. Well, thanks so much, Vicki. I, I, I think we could talk for a long time. Yeah, for <laughs> so sure we could. We'll have yeah. to do this again. If people want to get in touch with you, I see that your website is vickymcleod.com. That's the, right. The book is at vickymcleod.com forward slash untrending. And how do they find out about your communications and marketing business? At mainstreetcommunications.ca. That's our, that's the business brand. And, and we can, you know, you can link back and forth from either site to the other site. And vickymcleod.com, of course, is the personal brand site for me. Yeah. Good. I, I think we first connected on LinkedIn. Is that a good place to reach you? Or are there some that other? That is a great place. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I, I am pretty active on all the social media platforms. So uh, my, my personal favorite, like personally, if people want to get to know me better personally, is Instagram. That's where I post most about my personal life, of course. And then I have a Facebook business page. And my LinkedIn account is more on my professional side. But I'm happy to connect. For me, they integrate you know, pretty much completely. So I'm happy to connect with anyone any way they want to connect with me. Yeah. 
Well, thanks again. Really appreciate the time, and uh, this has been this has been wonderful. Thank you so much, Rod. Really appreciate it. Well, thanks again to Vicki McLeod from Main Street Communications for joining us on the tenth episode of the Jelly Marketing Podcast. I really appreciated what she had to share about alignment and sales. If you'd like to check out some of the links and show notes from this episode, go to the Jelly Marketing Podcast page at jellymarketing.com and you'll find them under the blog tab of the website. Also be sure and check us out on iTunes and leave a comment and a rating. We'd love to hear from you and the more people that give us a rating and make a comment, the more people we can reach. Thanks for listening and we'll talk to you soon. You can fly high. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.